Now, the thing that troubles us about this temptation of Christ is that it came immediately after His baptism, after a high point. And you know, that's often how it is. When the Lord leads us into the what we might say is the mountaintop experience of blessing, then the enemy appears. Then the enemy comes. The other thing that shocks us as we look at this account is that he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. That means that God intended this to take place, that our Lord Jesus, for those 40 days and nights in the wilderness, would fast and, humanly speaking, in a human body, he would be worn down and weakened by hunger, that then this mighty force of darkness would attack our Lord Jesus? Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Today we're going to talk about the devil. The devil who seeks to be the God of this world and to conquer the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a great verse in 1 John chapter 4 which tells us that for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so, the moment that our Lord Jesus came into this world, he was in a tremendous battle. You remember how Herod sought to destroy all the children under two years old. That was the power of darkness at work, to destroy the Christ child. You remember how our Lord Jesus, asleep on a boat, a storm awoke? Again, another attempt to destroy the Christ of God. And now we come to Matthew chapter 4 to look at an event where the Lord Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And this is a scene in a thirsty wilderness where the Son of God was attacked, tempted, but praise God, he got the victory. And that victory was for us. This is the thing that we need to see. While there is a real devil, and he has tremendous powers, yet the Son of God conquered him. He conquered him in the wilderness. He conquered him at the cross. And he has put the devil to flight. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And when you feel the assaults of hell, when you feel the pressure as a Christian or to sin against God, there is one who can give us the victory. And we are told to flee from the devil and to run to the refuge that is in the Lord Jesus. And I therefore recommend to you today that you cling to the Lord, keep close to the Lord to enjoy his power and his victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. 
And so today, as we turn to this pulpit ministry, we're going to look at the devil seeking to destroy the Son of God, but there we will see the victory which the Lord got over the wicked one. And so stay tuned as we turn now to this ministry on the triumph of the Lord Jesus over the devil. Tonight we have just read that startling account of our Lord Jesus being led into the wilderness and attacked by the hellish forces of the devil. And all of it was prefaced with the question, If thou be the Son of God. This week we have been seeking to build ourselves up in knowing who our Lord Jesus really is. We have discovered that he satisfies our soul. We have discovered that he is all-sufficient. But the devil, of course, would desire to steal that away, and he comes with his doubting questions. And in this temptation, our Lord Jesus displayed a tremendous victory over every assault of the devil, so that he fled, and the angels came down, and they ministered unto the Lord Jesus. What a great praise meeting that must have been. And tonight I want us to enter in to that praise of the victory of the Lord over the devil, and the triumph of guarding his name and his own glory, that he is truly the Son of God. Now, the thing that troubles us about this temptation of Christ is that it came immediately after his baptism, after a high point. And you know, that's often how it is. When the Lord leads us into the what we might say is the mountaintop experience of blessing, then the enemy appears. Then the enemy comes. The other thing that shocks us as we look at this account is that he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. That means that God intended this to take place, that our Lord Jesus, for those 40 days and nights in the wilderness, would fast And, humanly speaking, in a human body, he would be worn down and weakened by hunger, that then this mighty force of darkness would attack our Lord Jesus? Why would God want that to happen? And I conclude that this is a drama. This is a show. This is a display that there is no sin in our Lord Jesus and that he cannot sin. Now, those are two separate things. He did no sin, and he could not sin. And God wants us to know this. Right at the very get-go of his ministry on earth, at the very beginning, immediately after his baptism, when he would enter into his ministry, this drama, this display took place, and all to demonstrate that there is no way that Satan can conquer our Lord because there is no sin in him, and he could not sin. Now, the very worst damage done to Christianity is hypocrisy. And you know tonight that the Bible is merciless with hypocrites. 
And when ministers of the gospel today, like television evangelists, and they better be careful about radio preachers, but those that are high profile and have the following of many, when they fall into some immorality or shame, it can kill the church. And if it's true at all, what hay the world will make of it. I had an aunt, and she used to be very critical of preachers. So when I became a Christian, and I told her so, and would read my Bible in her home, and she uh, was somewhat upset with me, she would bring to my attention this history of an evangelist that she knew in the Londonderry area uh, that was a hypocrite, and he brought shame and scandal. Now, if it was at all true, and I had no way of knowing that, it's all history now, um, if it's at all true, she made it an absolute excuse not to entertain the gospel in her life. And of course, that's the devil's plot and the devil's scheme. But how good to know that Christianity is not built on the faults of men, nor on the hypocrisies of men, but upon our sinless Savior, the Lord Jesus. And if the Lord Jesus has been found guilty of some hypocrisy, some iniquity or sin in his life, then it's all over. It's curtains. Christianity would never have gotten off the ground. There's no way we would be here tonight to take a hymn book and worship and to praise the name of the Lord Jesus if it was at all true that there was even one sin in him. Now, the Lord Jesus himself preached relentlessly against sin. His first word of his first ever sermon was the word, repent. And he took the law of God, which was well known in the Jewish culture and people, and in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, he elevated and he said things like, well, if someone even looks upon a woman, he has committed adultery upon us in his heart. Or if someone is angry with his brother, he has committed murder in his heart. And so the Lord Jesus, instead of downplaying the standard of the law, he said, think not that I am come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And in his ministry, he elevated that law that men would become very conscious of their sins and their failure. After all of that, what a bombshell it would be if someone was to sling mud against the Lord Jesus and make it to stick. The testimony of our Lord Jesus is clean. And the church today, 2,000 years later, has absolutely nothing to fear on the score of the Savior's purity. And we can rest this evening with absolute confidence in the beauty of the holiness that is in our Lord Jesus. You see, I'm calling you to do what the angels did. After this event, when Satan attacked, sought to destroy our Lord's testimony, the angels came and worshipped him. And I'm calling you tonight to bow the knee and worship the Lord Jesus as the sinless Savior 
that you truly need. And God wants you to know this. That's what this display is all about. That's why he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. My task tonight, then, is to arm you in the sure knowledge that this is true, that there is absolutely no sin in the Lord Jesus. And I want to begin at the beginning. His sinless birth enabled his sinless life. The sinlessness of our Lord Jesus began in the womb of Mary. Would you look with me at Luke's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 35. Now, I am very aware that at Christmas time, these verses, these truths are proclaimed, and we sing about them, we talk about them, we pray about them, we preach them over and over. But here is the very bedrock of this truth, that our Lord Jesus is sinless. There is no sin in him. Luke 1, 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. This is the immaculate conception. This is the sinless beginning of the union of the second person of the Trinity, taking human form in Mary's womb without a man. There is nothing of the Adamic nature in him, and therefore he is described as that holy thing. Did you know that the Lord Jesus never apologized for his words or deeds or his misdeeds? He made no confession of sin. Did you know that the Lord Jesus never prayed the words of the Lord's Prayer? Now, it's called the Lord's Prayer because he is the one who taught his disciples how to pray. And he taught them to pray that they would seek God's forgiveness and that their transgressions would be forgiven and washed away. But the Lord Jesus never prayed that prayer for himself. He gave it to his disciples. And when the boy Jesus grew into manhood, he was absolutely sinless. Speaking of prayer tonight, I remember my first ever attending the minister's week of prayer in January 1978 in Kilkeel, some Kilkeel people here tonight. That was my first ever attendance at a minister's prayer meeting. Now, just think about what would you expect if you were allowed to join in on that? Here are men that week by week are preaching the gospel. I was just a first-year student, first ever time in their company at a week of prayer, Monday through Friday, praying mornings and afternoons, and gathering with these men that were in the work of God. What would you expect at a prayer meeting like that? Well, I was shocked because there were men there weeping and crying to God for mercy and forgiveness for their shortcomings and their failures and their need of power with God and for the restoration of God's grace in their lives. What a wake-up it was. Here are men who need business with God. But the Lord Jesus never prayed like that. You read the prayers of the Lord Jesus, and 
He prayed as in John 17, Father, glorify thy name. And the Father says, I have glorified. What a difference. Now, the Lord made many self-claims regarding his own sinlessness. He himself was conscious and aware of his supernatural sinless life. Now, I've been pleading for the supernatural nature of our faith. Our gospel is based on the supernatural person of the Son of God. And the Lord Jesus himself was fully aware, and that's what we would expect, that as we read through the account in the gospels, that this man Jesus, who is interacting with his disciples, preaching, teaching, comforting, and encouraging people, that he would display himself as the model and the way, as he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said in John 8, which of you convinceth me of sin? What a challenge. Do you know of anyone who could throw out that gauntlet, could throw out that challenge? Which of you convinceth me of sin? Our Lord Jesus made much of his own sinlessness to prove that he came from the Father, not the devil. If he had come from Adam, he would have been sinful. If he had come from the devil, his works he would do. But having come from the Father, he was without sin. And so he challenged his enemies and all men to bring forth evidence of his sins. He challenged them. Which of you? Stand up now. Let's bear the evidence. Even the mightiest men in the Bible could not stand that challenge. Think of Abraham. Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Peter, Paul, all of them. Even John included himself when he wrote those words, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. But this sinless man never so prayed. The uniqueness of our Lord Jesus in all of his life and all of his works and all his accomplishments is traced back to the womb of Mary. The supernatural conception brought forth a supernatural person. We can worship him. We can join with these angels and add our amens and our hallelujahs and say, this is the man. This is the Savior that I need. We move now to his victorious life proves his sinless nature. We're going back here to Matthew 4 and this uh, record of Satan's attacks that were resisted by the Lord, this three-pronged attack, three times, three different ways, Satan comes to attack our Lord there in the wilderness in what might have been his weakness. But each time the Lord responded with the Word of God, it is written. And that is a great example for us. We don't seek to oppose the devil in our own strength or in our own manner. But we quote, it is written. In fact, in that was display a demonstration that our Lord Jesus was not only sinless, but not able to sin. Now, some debate this point of our Lord Jesus, and the key word is impeccability. We may as well learn that word tonight. 
If you want to note that down, this is the doctrine that our Lord Jesus is not only capable not to sin, but he is totally incapable of actually sinning. Couldn't be done. Now, Hebrews 4.15 would certainly be a key verse if you want to note that text. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. And that little qualification at the end, apart from sin. And so the writer of Hebrews was very careful as he spoke of our Lord's humanity, of his temptability. Oh, yes, he was there in the wilderness, tempted of the devil, attacked by the devil. And he was tempted in all points as we are. Therefore, he's a wonderful Savior for us. He's a wonderful high priest. When you go to him with your struggles and your cares and your temptations and your attacks of the devil upon you, the Lord knows he's been there with this difference apart from sin. Always keep in mind that the Lord's human nature can never be separated from his divine nature. There's a distinction between the two, but never any separation. And every attack against our Lord Jesus was an attack against the God-man. He was always God. And every assault of a finite enemy was readily met by the power of an infinite Savior. When we were in the theological hall, those are the classes that preceded the Whitfield College of the Bible, giving away my age here tonight, Dr. Kearns taught us students using this illustration that an army of 20 men are able to attack an army of a million men. Oh, they're able to hurl all their weaponry and all their ferocity against that great army but it is impossible for them to overcome that. Now you have to raise the scale and multiply it infinitely. Our Lord Jesus being God of God, the Creator, infinite, attacked by a puny created being or forces. They may do their utmost and spew out their venom and their hatred and seek to attack the Almighty Son of God but there was never any possibility of overcoming. And so don't think that there in the wilderness that our Lord Jesus' future was on the balance, that the scale might have been tipped at a moment and he could have lost it, or that was possible at any point in our Savior's earthly life and ministry. It's impossible for our Lord Jesus to sin. We know that to the Lord Jesus... Sin was an abhorrent thing. The brighter the light, the darker the filth appears. You just drag your carpet out into the spring sunshine. And what looks reasonable in the light of the winter indoor world, well, you may be grieved if we really, really live with that for so long. It's wretched and rotten. What we think of sin and what our Lord Jesus thinks of sin we have to magnify it over and over. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of our Free Presbyterian Church in Canada, and this is Ian Golliher. I hope that you got the message today that the Lord Jesus is 
so united to his divine nature, he is God in the flesh. He is never man divorced from his divine nature. He is that what theologians call the theanthropic person, God and man in one person, so that every attack of hell of the devil himself would fail. Jesus was never overcome by the devil. And of course, the wonderful thing is that that victory that he wrought over the devil was to save his people. It was to give that victory to you and to me. Now, I wonder if you are struggling in your Christian life, struggling against fears, doubts, and perhaps terrible temptations. Run to the Lord Jesus. Find your strength. Find your victory in the Lord Jesus himself. There is no way that you can win the battle against the devil and the world in human strength. You must flee from Satan and run to the Lord Jesus and say, The Lord rebuke him. And praise God, as you run to Christ, you run to the cross. You run to the precious blood that the Lord Jesus Christ shed upon that tree. And we read in the book of Revelation about the martyrs who were overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. And that is how you become an overcomer in your battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. You must plead the power of Jesus' precious blood. And by pleading that blood, you will get the victory because the devil has to flee every time when we plead the death, the sacrifice, the blood atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if I could be of any personal help to you in your cares and struggles, feel free to give me a call or to send me an email. You can get all that information at the end of the message on uh, or on our website, ltbs.ca, and you can contact me. I will be delighted to hear from you and to know that you are in the battle. This is the wonderful thing. The Christian is in the battle against sin and against the devil. Whereas the worldling, the ungodly, that they are the children of the devil and they just lie down under it. They, they, they lie in wickedness. But the child of God will never be happy serving sin. The born-again Christian cannot sin, cannot sin gladly, cannot sin knowing that they have peace with God. It robs them of peace. And so we need the victory again and again and again. And there's only one person that can give that. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is your conqueror. Run to him today. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived 
by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.